Test. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, January 16th, 2018, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 56 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how are things, man? What you been up to this week? Um, things are good. Uh, for this week, gosh. Uh, well, I've been doing something new, interesting, and a little bit exciting. Um, I've been trying to buff up on some specific areas of, uh, of knowledge, uh, you know, that I needed some work on. And Mrs. The Mac suggested, why not try teaching them as a class? Nice. So, on my own Twitch channel, I've been and plan on doing on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, um, doing a short class on biochemistry, um, cell and molecular biology, and uh, and instrumental analysis. Nice. So, uh, so, yeah. I mean, probably not, they're not the most riveting subjects ever, uh, but there's stuff that I need extra help on. So teaching, you know, so so teaching is a good way and to do for, that. For those who are unfamiliar, Mac is studying these things in college, right? So you're not just saying, you know what I need to learn more about molecular biology. This is actually something that you're pursuing. And so that's, that's right. My field my field is chemistry. So uh, so you know, there's there's lots of overlap, but uh, but yeah, these are these are things that I need to have a better handle on. So uh, so yeah, why not? Why not do it? So uh, uh, now, so far, I've only taught two classes. One on Sunday, where I, uh, you know, where I, I kind of, you know, felt it out a little bit, and then another one on Monday where I took a slightly more direct approach. I, I think I'm going to veer back toward the Sunday formula. I, I, I was just, you know, kind of trying it out and see which one felt more, you know, which felt better at the end of everything. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Now, I anyway, will, that's I, good. Dude, that's awesome. Now, I will say, the next couple Sundays, if your numbers are down, there's this crazy thing going on called the NFL playoffs. And so a lot of people might be watching this thing called Football Mac. I know you're not into that yourself. I just want to make you aware it's a pretty big deal. Uh, and, and then in February, there will be this thing called the Super Bowl. Are you familiar? Have you heard of, or should I explain um, what that is? Mr. Nice Guy, I do happen to be a sports ball expert in point of fact. He's not. So, no, he's really uh, not. So I do I do know about these things such as the uh, such as the Super Bowl and these playoffs of which you speak. So uh, so yeah, I um I didn't think that that would negatively impact Twitch very much. No, there's maybe not I a lot have of a different perception. I was really just kidding. Oh, okay, gotcha. I I thought you were being serious no, there. No, no. Not at all. Well, dude, that's cool that you're finding a way to uh, to teach something that you're trying to learn in a unique way, combining your passion with with your education, which is also your passion. Well, that's cool, man. I don't have anything as exciting as you. Um, I've been doing a lot of gaming on the new Xbox One S that I picked up for Christmas, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, dude, it's amazing how much console gaming um, is better than PC gaming. I just thought I'd throw that out there. And, uh, and on that note, now that I've started some drama, I say we do what we do best, Mac, and hop right into the gaming news, my friend. 
Absolutely, let's do it. Let's do it, guys. Welcome to episode number 56 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Let's start off with a story uh, with from Game Informer. Let's start with Game Informer. It says, last year, Nintendo of America President Reggie Filsami said that the company was in talks with streaming video providers, including Netflix and Hulu, about getting their apps on the Nintendo Switch. Hulu made its way over to the console in November, but Netflix is still nowhere in sight. If a recent tweet from Netflix customer service agent is any indication, that situation isn't about to change anytime soon. And then there's a tweet here. Uh, It says... Someone says, is there any word on when Netflix may be launching on the Nintendo Switch? The demand is high. We are eagerly awaiting its launch. And then the Netflix uh, Helps Twitter account responded and said, Hey there, there are currently no plans for Netflix on Nintendo Switch. We appreciate your feedback on it. And then it has the person's initials. So, Mac, I want to ask you a question. If you just had to count quickly the number of ways that you can watch Netflix, how many ways are there? And and when I when I say this, I mean like with different devices and things in your home. How many different options do you have to watch okay. Netflix? Um, I can watch Netflix on my television, yep. um, either by casting it to my television, or the television has its own operating system that I can use to watch it. So I count that as as its own individual thing because its yep. operating system will do it. Yep. Um, any phone in any smartphone in my house, uh, I do have still have some dumb phones actually because those things are indestructible. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. keep I keep one inside of the glove compartment with a battery so that I can you know, make an emergency call if needs be. Sure. Um, sure. Let's see. Uh, and uh, Any of the phones, and then I have several tablets. So if I divide them up by category, I would say I have three... Or Oh, and then, of course, on my computer. So yep. Yep. four different uh, classes of devices that I can use to watch, uh, uh, to watch Netflix. Now, of course, I have no consoles past... The Nintendo Wii, actually Wii, you the could Wii watch it. Netflix on. Yeah. So uh, even though I don't have my account linked up to my uh, to my Wii, you could. Um, you I could. guess that makes five: uh, one console, one television, computers, cell phones, and tablets. And that's you know that's my point. So for me, I have the PS4, I have the Xbox One. I could watch it on my computer. My wife has a laptop. We both have smartphones. Um, you know, various tablets. My TV is a smart TV. I also have a Roku. I actually have two Rokus. Um, so I could watch it via that. Um, I got those Rokus from doing doing Sling TV. When you pay for three months, they hook you up with a Roku. Shout out to Sling TV. Um, so I guess my point is, I don't understand why anyone is complaining or disappointed that Netflix is not coming to the Nintendo Switch because there's not a single person who has a Netflix account that also has a shortage of ways to watch Netflix portably or sitting in your home. So I would say just let this go. The Switch is already so small on memory. Um, don't don't worry about watching Netflix on it. There's really no reason that you need that. I can't think of anyone who, who doesn't have 10 ways to watch Netflix at their disposal. So that's just my opinion on that news story. If you disagree, let us know here live in the chat, twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. I say we keep it moving to our next news story. Let's talk about the new Switch games. We're going to keep it Nintendo-centric for the first couple minutes. 
Uh, this comes from GameSpot. This is a few days old, you guys. It says, After a cryptic tweet on Wednesday, January 10th, the internet guessed Nintendo had something going on. And it turns out they were right. A surprise Nintendo Direct presentation has gone live, as you, and you can watch it in its entirety below. The focus is primarily on Nintendo Switch games due out in the first half of the year, and if you want a rundown of the news and big reveals, you're in the right place, it says. Here's everything Nintendo revealed during that day's presentation. So here's all the games we got from that Nintendo Direct. Uh, we got The World Ends With You, which is a remake of, I don't know what Mac is holding up, uh, but it's not a Nintendo product, but I'm curious, what is that that you're holding up, Mac, on the, on the screen? Oh, sorry, I didn't think you'd know. No, don't apologize, I want to know what it is, I bet it's awesome. Oh no! It's just a, it's just some perlers that I made, a stack of perlers. Oh nice, Super Mario Brothers three perlers that you've been working on. No, just hugs. Okay, fantastic. Well, yeah, Mac is a perler expert. In case you guys didn't know, check out his channel, twitch.tv backslash maction m a c k t i o n, and you can win some perlers, right? Mac, aren't you giving those away? Um, well, the the Mario three ones are, but the 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 one thing that has to get done first is well, of course, I have to finish making them, and then Mrs. The Mac and I have to play through Super Mario Brothers three as a unit, as a team. As a team. And then uh, once we've done so, the way I figured it figured it is that uh, whichever comes first, if Mrs. The Mac kills that particular enemy. Um, okay. We give it away, or if we get past the point at which that, like, you know, we we leave the level, so we're never going to see any more yeah, of this enemy. Yeah. You know, that type here's of thing. A crucial, the last here's a level. crucial question. Will yeah. you or will you not be using warp whistles? No. Uh, I think we're going to plan on doing all worlds. Because you can beat the game in, like, ten minutes if you use warp whistles. Yeah. It'd be a short stream, and you wouldn't encounter many of the enemies. So that's fantastic that you're not using warp whistles. Yeah. Cool. Well, anyway, back to the news story. We like to get we Sorry. like to go down rabbit holes and segue into other stuff on this podcast. Uh, so the next thing that was announced was Pokémon Tournament DLC. Uh, excuse me, Pokémon Tournament DX DLC coming out January 31st and March 23rd. Um, Kirby Star Allies next Kirby game is coming out March 16th for the Switch. Dragon Quest Builders demo is out now. Hyrule Warriors Ultimate Edition, an old Wii U title, is coming out spring of this year. Mario Tennis Aces, which looks fantastic to me when I watched it, uh, comes out in spring of this year. It looks like it had a single-player mode as well, or a story mode, I should say. It looks fantastic. I'm excited for it. And then we got uh, YS8. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Uh, But it's a game from the PS4, Vita, and PC. It's an RPG. We get the update for Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, we get SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy, Mario Plus Rabbids DLC, Payday 2, Fee and Celeste, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze coming out May 4th. I'm super hyped for that. Dark Souls Remastered May 25th. Mac, you think Nintendo can keep this momentum going? The Switch is on fire uh, as, of, as of last year. You know, they had Mario, they had Zelda, they had a ton of other stuff. Can they keep it going um, with... And, and here's the thing about a lot of these announcements. A lot of these are old Wii U titles that just didn't sell well because the Wii U sucked. So based on these announcements, do you think Nintendo's going to stay hot or do you think they're going to cool off this year? What do you think? Um, I think Nintendo, for better or worse, is going to continue to be a major player in the console market. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. I've never heard you end a <laughs> sentence like that. You said it like you work for Nintendo, like your name is Reggie Filsami. 
So. No, no, no. I was uh, I, I was channeling a presentation before a uh, uh, before a congressional body. Personally, is Reggie Filsame in the room with a gun to your head? Blink no. twice. If uh oh, somebody. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, no, it's, uh, I mean, for better or worse, I have not been particularly impressed with Nintendo, the business side of things, for a while now, uh, but, I mean, they are likely going, they're likely smarter than I am, and they are likely going, you know, it's like, I might be upset, but uh, but they're crying all the way to the bank, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 but they could be crying even harder if they would have made more of the SNES Classic and NES Classic. You know what I mean? They didn't make enough, and uh, so they missed out on a lot of money, and scalpers got it. But anyway, moving on. Uh, GameInformer.com, another another news story, you guys. This one says, announced at BlizzCon, the Overwatch map Blizzard World has been long awaited by fans. Thankfully, no one will have to wait long as the map will see wide release on January 23rd. The map is a Blizzard love letter, something <coughs> warranted by a company that boasts fans happily obsessive enough to sustain an annual convention. I read that terribly. The map is full of Blizzard's history, both modern and ancient, and will be a delight for fans to explore. More than that, though, reports from the PTR are that the hybrid map is itself quite fun to play, and its assault and payload halves are both well-balanced. I'm super hyped for this. I'm a huge fan of Blizzard games. I love Overwatch. I love Hearthstone. Um, I loved World of Warcraft back in the day. Excuse me, not World of Warcraft, but I loved Warcraft back in the day. Uh, so I'm, I'm hyped to see what they do with this, and I wish more more games would offer free DLC like this. So I think I just closed a news story I was going to read later, and that's okay. Um, you know what, Mac? Sometimes less is more. So let's just end our news stories on that and take it to our next segment, man. It's all about, it's all you. All right. Well, now that we've taken a look at the games and things going on around us right now, let's take a little look into the past. Going to check out some gaming history now and we started off strong with a title that i would be in the doghouse if i did not mention and that is crash bandicoot 2 released for the playstation 1 this week in years past your wife would kill Uh, you if you didn't mention it she would and i you know interestingly enough i i've been getting mrs the mac to you know learn to play super mario brothers 3 um, you know, just get a handle on, get a grips on the, you know, basic mechanics. And uh, she's agreed to do it and practice a little bit if afterwards she can go back to playing some more Crash Bandicoot. Because for her, for whatever reason, the 3D platforming in Crash Bandicoot is easier than the 2D platforming of Mario. Um, which I just don't understand. Uh, but there it is. So Crash Bandicoot 2, I think... It occupies this very strange part in the series because Crash Bandicoot 3 is objectively the best. It has the best difficulty curve. It has a lot of shout-outs and returns to previous Crash Bandicoot games. Uh, you know, that is 1 and 2. Uh, whereas Crash Bandicoot 1 is very well known for its rather harsh difficulty. Um, so Crash Bandicoot 2 is kind of the meh entry in the series. Crash Bandicoot started out very difficult and ended really, really well. But uh, but Crash Bandicoot 2, still an important entry as it some of its best levels were, uh, were revisited for Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Um, next, we have a title that is well known to everybody. Even if you didn't have this console, 
and you think to yourself, you know, and and you name uh, games for this con- for the console this was a part of. This is probably one of the ones that you name. For the Sega Genesis, released in 1993, we have Streets of Rage 2. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, now, uh, uh, off the top of your head, you start naming Sega Genesis games, or Mega Drive games, if you prefer. You're probably going to throw out, well, let's see, we're going to have, uh, so, we're going to have Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, Sonic's in yep. there. Uh, maybe Vector Man. Yep. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people would go for that Fantasy Star. Yes. Uh, that was released on on things, but then right up there with it, maybe even sooner than that, is definitely Streets of Rage 2. Now, this is the circumstance where Streets of Rage 2, in contrast to Crash Bandicoot 2, which was sort of the uh, sort of the you know low point of the series, um, Streets of Rage 2 was absolutely the high point. Whereas uh, Streets of Rage 1 was just a little bit too unforgiving, 2 had the right sweet spot, and then later on in 3, we would find, uh, if I recall properly, it was Streets of Rage 3 that had the uh, weapons that had uh, like a health meter to the weapon. Like you could only use it so many times or against so many enemies before the weapon broke. But in Streets of Rage 2, all you had to do was just not get hit, which... um, which, in my opinion, is one of the things that made Streets of Rage 2 so very good. Uh, but, as always, we try to feature, as often as we can, three games on gaming history. Three games that may have defined a series, changed a console, or changed a genre. And this third one is definitely this case. That would be, released in 2005 for the GameCube, Resident Evil 4. Hmm. Resident Evil 4 was a turning point in the, in the Resident Evil franchise. Um, for Love it or loathe it, it took us from a survival horror where you never had enough ammunition to defeat the baddies um, into, Resid- into a new era where you had... I felt like you had much more generous uh, weapon and ammunition, ammunition drops. Additionally, it completely changed up the uh, the view system. No longer was it fixed point of view. Like it, uh, for those of you who haven't played the Resident Evil series or have only played the later installments, the previous ones you could almost imagine the entire game playing being played through security cameras. Ah. That's the kind of that's the kind of thing that Resident Evil did. The angles were positioned in such a way that often maximized things like jump scares. It was a horror game after all. Gotta love there those was jump scares. N- oh yeah, there was never enough uh, ammunition to beat all the baddies in front of you. Often you needed to economize as best as you could, um, get around things. Uh, Resident Evil 3 saw even uh, an enemy where the most efficient use of time and resources was just to actually run away from him. I'm talking about uh, the in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, the tyrant. Um, but Resident Evil 4, not only did we move away from the uh, from the old shambling zombies, we moved uh, we moved away from that. We got uh, we got these uh, biologic zombies, these bioweapons based off of Las Plagas, um, which had similarities, of course. But the people tended to retain a lot more of their, you know, a lot more of their. Anyway, point being is that Resident Evil 4 just changed it all in so many ways um now 
Some people really dislike that change. Some people love it. Myself, I feel like Resident Evil 5 is where they uh, is where they really hit the perfect mix of everything because it really came into its own as more of an action uh, an action game yeah. than a horror yeah. survival game, and that's what I like. But still, nonetheless, it's very good. And as one thing, as one of our astute uh, viewers has pointed out Resident Evil 4 started as a GameCube exclusive because Nintendo wanted more mature games. Um, Shinji Mikami, well, I'm, I, you know, apologies to your name for destroying it, uh, said he would cut off his own head if it appeared on other platforms and it was apported to PS2 the next year. I hope he is still alive. That's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, Resident Evil 4, definitely a turning point. And I feel like uh, those last two, Streets of Rage 2, Resident Evil 4, definitely turning points, in my opinion, for the better of loved and longstanding franchises. And that's what we had today for our gaming history. Sweet. Well, guys, it's time for our next segment of the show. Thanks to Mac for the gaming history. Everyone loves some Crash Bandicoot, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, this next news story is it's uh, our topic of the week that's our next segment and this is a segment where we talk about something that's happening in the gaming industry today we give our opinions on it and we get your opinions as well so this is kind of it's a specific story but it brings up a generic topic that i'm a huge fan of and so i want us to talk about it so this new story comes from kotaku and here is the headline i'm going to unplug my phone it says teenage overwatch league players dad pulled him out of school so he could go pro. Now, some background. For those of you who don't know, the Overwatch League just debuted January 10th, I believe, and it's effectively a league for professional Overwatch players to play competitively. So here's what the article says. It says, Overwatch pro Lucas Mendokusai Hackinson wasn't expecting to drop out of school. The plan originally was for him to take a year off, not all that uncommon in his homeland of Sweden, to see if he could get good enough to go pro. One day, though, Hackinson's dad, Henrik, met with the school's administrators. Quote, he didn't ask me. He didn't tell me. He just came home like, you didn't take a year off. You just dropped out of school, Hackinson told Kotaku last week in an Overwatch League media day in Los Angeles. For Hackinson, his dad's proclamation came as a surprise, but not an unpleasant one. School was never really his thing. As a kid, he struggled with depression and anxiety. And no matter how many times he tried to... To find the missing piece that make everything click together, nothing quite fit. He failed his classes. He didn't care much for sports either. The one thing that made it all bearable was video games like Counter-Strike and his, the sense of tangible self-improvement that Hackinson found in them. Henrik, who'd watched both of his kids' grades suffer as they shirked responsibilities and cut classes to play games, was initially not on board. He thought his sons were lazy and aimless digital deviants who were in real life danger. I'm going to read because this is brilliantly written. This is a fantastic article. Um, Quote, for a while he was like, I think you're addicted to video games. Games cause violence. You can get addicted to World of Warcraft and there's a guy who died playing it in Korea, said Lucas. All that quote, all that crazy stuff. Henrik grounded his sons in hopes of getting them back on the straight and narrow. Coupled with depression and anxiety, things Lucas didn't even have words for at the time, the punishment made him miserable, but not enough to overpower the sense of purpose he'd found in games. As a teenager, Lucas Hackinson started talking, taking games more seriously. He'd practice consistently with teams. He and his friends weren't just playing for the sake of it. They had aspirations, dreams of making it into the big leagues, which weren't even that big at the time. 
Slowly but surely, Henrik, almost entirely responsible for his two sons after a separation with his wife when the kids were young, started to come around. Quote, he started to realize that there's nothing else I'd rather do, said Lucas. Communication helped too. I talked to him face to face, said Lucas. I was always honest with him, and when I did something bad, I'd call him and tell him. I just skipped class because I was so pissed at the teachers. I was sure he'd get in trouble, but we always valued honesty more than anything. So it goes on. It says, a 50-year-old furniture builder turned IT worker, Henrik Hackinson, didn't always understand the burgeoning esports world that his sons were obsessed with, but he tried to. He even started playing games like Call of Duty. Then he pulled his son out of school. Quote, he said he didn't want me to play and practice to try and make it to the big leagues with the facts that if this doesn't work, I have to go back to school in a set amount of time. He wanted me to focus on the game and pursue my dream, and if I fail, I fail. Let's stop there. So, uh, long story short, too long didn't read, too long didn't listen version is this dad saw what his son was passionate about and pulled him out of school to pursue a career in video games and the logic behind it was he wanted his son to be all in he didn't want him to think if I don't make it in a year I have to go back to school I'm not even gonna ask a specific question Mac what are your thoughts on this so the first thing that I think about uh, is that I really like something that uh, that my wife's parents did for her and her siblings in order to try and get their kids to fully engage in in hobbies. Right? Um, they had a rule, and and of course, uh, you know this this is a little bit different from what this dad decided. But they had a rule that they would pay for lessons. So you want to learn karate? They'll pay for le- for lessons for you to learn karate, but you have to commit up front to a full year for it. There's no stopping. There's no whatever. If you want this up front, you know you're committing to one year of it, um, and then they'd pay for it. Uh, but in the hopes that you know, sure, maybe you under you know maybe you hop into this as a hobby or whatever, but. Uh, but you find something that you like and you stick through the hard initial bits to really get to the, to the point where the hobby starts paying off. Um, now, of course, uh, the parallels that I see really in this one are the trying to, uh, are the trying to make sure that someone has enough time to see if something that they love, that something that they're interested in is something that they can truly love doing Absolutely. on a long-term Absolutely. basis. Yeah. So, uh, so while I mean, you know, I am talking on the one hand about hobby, I think this is where it, it connects, is it's like some things you might try out and discover that after doing it seriously for a bit that you can't really you know, that it's not really something. I know I've mentioned before my uh, my split with dentistry um, precisely for such a reason, that it wasn't something that I knew I could sustainably, you know, uh, keep going for. So, so yeah, I hats off to this dad, though. I mean, this is not the ending to the story or the continuation of the story that you often hear. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge advocate of anyone who is seriously pursuing an alternative career. And I, I shouldn't say alternative, I should say non-traditional career. 
Um, education is the traditional way of being successful, or at least it's viewed that way. And education is fantastic. We're very blessed to live in a country where we get education. Um, even though there's other countries that are now ahead of us as far as the caliber um, of, of education. But um, as a guy who wants to do stand-up comedy and who enjoys podcasting and gaming and streaming, um, I, I absolutely am a huge fan of this dad allowing his kid to go all in. And, and instead of saying, well, you got to do your homework first, the dad has realized that really if the kid is gifted at this, and there are viable career options for him that the, the quote unquote homework, you know, the biology and the the calculus is really going to get in the way of his progression. And so allowing him to go all in is fantastic. And especially because the kid is young, he is a teenager. If he was 40 years old, you know, and had no idea what he wanted to do with his life and just said, you know what, I think I'm going to try this Overwatch thing. Then, then no, you know, but I think, you know, while you're young and you can still make those types of mistakes and you still have several years ahead to make course corrections if it doesn't work out that's the time to do it and so i'm a huge huge fan of this type of thing and i wish that we saw more of it in society and uh and we want to get your thoughts in the chat too that has been our topic of the week what do you think about these non-traditional careers is specifically esports news reporting and gaming that type of stuff let us know what you think and mac you can take it away with our next segment all right well as you know we like to take a look at some crowdfunding things every so often, or at least I do. Yes, yes, it's true. I, I, like, I like to like make to, fun of them. I like to look through, see what people are trying to get crowdfunded, present it, and Mr. Nice Guy and I talk about some of the virtues and some of the vices, and then at the end, Mr. Nice Guy tell me, Mac has a terrible pick. Get rid of it. But... But I hold strong. And for you guys, I have a fantastic one tonight. I don't want to oversell it, but I think this may be the most or close to the most excited that I have been for a kick or kickstart segment. You know the rules. We'll present it, discuss it. At the end, we will ask you whether you think this should be kicked out of here because it's trash or whether it should be kickstarted because it's amazing. So, with no further ado, I present for you. For your consideration, NES Maker. What? Make new brand, make new cartridge-based hardware playable games for the NES. No programming required. So a little bit of background. These uh, these two guys, uh, Joe Granato and I forget the name of the other guy, but uh, but they did this uh, this thing a while back. They had a game. They had this idea, it had been ruminating for ages, and they wanted to make it for the NES, and they embarked on that, uh, on that task. They put, saved their pennies, they started making it, and they realized that they didn't want to, uh, they didn't want to code, to have to, you know, to have to code, da 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 type in the keyboard. So what they worked on was making a WYSIWYG, known as what you see is what you get, WYSIWYG. They made a WYSIWYG for the uh, for the assembly code, the 6502 assembly language. That's the language that the NES game engine is is programmed in. Um, difficult to find people fluent in it, but uh, but nonetheless, um, they they put that together and they made basically this whole uh, this whole uh, uh, WYSIWYG for doing this. Um, and 
And what's fun about it is that when they realized that what they had basically done was made an NES maker as they were working toward making this passion project game of theirs, um, which you can purchase, by the way, they, they, they sell copies. Um, they realized that they could kind of expand things a little bit and release it as a software for, uh, for building homebrew games. So what about this Kickstarter? Why are they even doing Kickstarter if they've done it? Um, what they made was they made a very specific, uh, a, a WYSIWYG that was very specifically tailored for one thing. So what they're going for with Kickstarter is a little bit of extra money to help them develop additional, they call them modules, so that the software itself can be repurposed more adequately in different ways. They uh, started off, their thing does well for adventure games. So like Dragon Warrior, Final Fantasy, stuff like that. But they're trying to add things so that the software can be basically clicked into platformer mode, where the code on the back end is optimized for platformers or RPGs, or brawlers, or shooters, or whatever. And that's what they're going for in their project. Most of the money, though, they're very upfront about it, is going to go toward um, the hardware rewards for their for their Kickstarter. And by the hardware rewards, what that is, is of course you can back for, you know, 36 bucks or so and get the NES Maker software. But they give a, they have a whole toolkit which includes basically a flash cartridge and a cartridge flasher, so that you plug it into your computer, you write your code, you send it to the cartridge, the or to the flasher. It flashes that information onto the NES cartridge. You plug it into your Nintendo. Now that being all that being said, I've got my Nintendo within arm's reach. I use it all the time. I've already got a flash cartridge. And uh, I've got everything I need on that side. So for me, I'm already calling it right now. I'm saying kickstart, and I'm backing at the $36 level. It is already a foregone conclusion. They blew past their uh, uh, their initial goal of their minimum of $32,000 in uh, the past you know couple of days, which is great for them. And they still got about 25 days left to go on it. Um, and the movie, their, their little video is delightfully cheesy for their Kickstarter. It's just the right amount of basically everything. And so that is NES Maker. Mr. Nice Guy, please tear it apart. Go for it. Um, you got me this week, Mac. You, you straight yes! up got me this week, dude. This is awesome. I could literally make a game where my kids we are the main. We could make a game. We could make a game. Uh-huh. Or, you know, we could make what, like, two, the Two Nerds game or whatever. You know, we could, we could do whatever. You could make whatever you want. I could make a game where my kids are the main characters and they could play as themselves. And it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I see no holes in this whatsoever. Uh, I think $36 is absolutely reasonable to buy this software. Um, and, and someone in the chat said that Nintendo's lawyers are not going to like this. Huh. I wonder if that's true. What do you think, Mac? You think Nintendo's going to come after this? Um, I think anytime Nintendo can come after something, they have tended to come let after me, let something. Let me rephrase that. Do you think Nintendo has a case to come after this? Uh, that is a really good question. Um, I will mention that I am not a lawyer. I just play one on TV. Uh, so, 
so the thing of it is is that what they all they're doing is they are building the engine to run you know to make things in the 6502 assembly language um it's possible that Nintendo might take some no no they can't take issue with that because those headers aren't uh, aren't copyrighted well, the headers and like footers not aren't using copyrighted Nintendo images and artwork yeah, yeah, and they're they're not. Um, the thing of it is, is you're supposed to, you know, you can design your own. I'm sure you could rip stuff. I'm sure you could take all the sprites and images you wanted, but it has a graphic user interface for designing your own backgrounds, tile sets, sprites, and so on. So, yeah, I, I mean, the thing that might be the most, uh, uh, the, the thing where I could see the most trouble happening would be in the implementation of the flashing software, you know, or uh, of the hardware, the hardware that's designed to flash the cartridge. Uh, but I don't know. I think this one's in the clear. Dude, honestly. somebody, somebody's going to make Super Mario Brothers 4, and I'm excited for that. And I think, well, I mean, strictly speaking, people have been doing ROM hacks for a long time. That's true. So, That's true. Uh, so we've already got, you know, all the ridiculous supers. There's even an interesting one called Super SMB Three Mix, where in it, um, it's based off Super Mario Brothers Three, but among other things, they have kind of hacked in levels of, uh, you know, Super Mario. Uh, is it Super Mario Galaxy? Um, yeah, for the I think. Wii. Um, and they've got a bunch of different uh, different things that they've kind of uh, taken uh, assets from and redesigned them and mixed them. And you can even ride on a Yoshi in this Super Mario Brothers three ROM Dude, this hack, is which exciting, is kind of fun. Man. I'm really hyped as, as a guy who who loves playing retro games on my Raspberry Pi. I'm gonna load it up with all kinds of awesome NES games that are made by individuals who purchased this software. Um, One thing I'm a little sad about, though, to be perfectly honest, is that the estimated delivery date is August 2018 for the the, um, NES Maker software. And every summer, I do a thing where where I get together all of the nieces and nephews, um, and we make something together. Now, often it's like a movie. We'll make a movie beginning to end, but I would love for us to all make... Uh, you know, make an NES-style game. Uh, but uh, but sadly, I'll have to wait a couple years for that. Because uh, when do you guys get together? July or something? Yeah, and right like before June. it comes out. Got it, got it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I'm ready to vote, Mac. I think you already voted, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I'm Time say, to vote. I'm going to say kickstart this. I think it's a very cool idea, and I'm excited. I really hope it actually comes out. I hope it doesn't get delayed. Uh, so yeah, Indeed, me too. Uh, that's where I'm at. And Mac, did we have more on this one, or? Uh, no, just that. It's fantastic. I it, it has already been funded. I hope there are no legal issues that befall them, and um, I'm gonna throw my money that way because, by goodness, do I want to? Uh, do I want to throw something together? Now, what like without getting too specific, what mm-hmm. kind of game are you thinking of making, or you just want the ability and you don't have any any specific ideas yet? Um, well, at the current moment, I think I would probably start by trying to make a uh, by trying to make a brawler, um, and that's what I see as sort of my my first thing would be uh, make a brawler for uh, with the with the kids, right? Uh, with the with the nieces and nephews, and have them as 
the you know brawlers in brawler playable characters in this uh, in this thing kind of like you were saying with your kids um but i think i would definitely go for uh you know make a brawler because i i feel like that would be the easiest conceptually uh the constraints of a brawler style game um i think would be very easy for me to turn something out quickly is what i is what i think yeah it's pretty sweet Cool. Well, tell us your games in the chat, your ideas for games for this NES thing if you want to make one. And Max, should we keep it moving, my friend? Yeah, let's keep it moving. All right, let's guys, keep it nerdy. It's time for the main event. My favorite segment of the show. The Dummy of the Week. Week, week, week. A segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb. And we make fun of them. Uh, this week's story comes from GameInformer.com. Uh, I'll read the title. It says, Canadian man faces charges after spree of excessive and offensive Twitch chat flooding. A Canadian man is facing charges in British Columbia after engaging in repetitive flooding of Twitch chat with racist and vulgar messages, according to the CBC News. The federal charges against the 20-year-old Brandon Apple were filed yesterday, utilizing an uncommon charge of, quote, mischief in relation to computer data. Apple is accused, his name is Apple, by the way, um, so we're not thinking it's Apple, the company. Apple is accused of spamming 150,000 chat messages to over 1,000 channels over the course of two months in 2017. Apple utilized a chat flooding program called Chat Surge, which boasts of its ability to, quote, flood and destroy or simply demolish any Twitch.tv chat room while under the username obnoxious his username was obnoxious just just wanted to repeat that after twitch discovered the attack twitch sought a court order to determine apple's identity the order lists a few of apple's comments used in a chatbot and i'm going to edit these um some of his comments were things such as get the person of a certain race out of here what the beep and death to all people of a certain ethnicity, death to all people of a certain ethnicity. Uh, this guy's a real class act. It goes on to say, reportedly the chatbot also linked to inappropriate content involving children. Uh, Twitch alleges in the report that Apple's chatbot was sending 700 messages a minute at its zenith. Twitch was unable to get the information on Apple's identity through his internet service provider. But guess what they did, you guys? Uh, it says, but leaning on services like Cloudflare and Whois, which Apple used to spam Twitch, eventually got them his name. In court, Twitch has claimed that employees have spent over 300 hours trying to identify Apple. Apple has not entered a plea in regards to the charges and has not officially been entered in court. The first appearance coming in February. If found guilty, he could face not one, not two, not three, but 10 years in jail, man. Now, here's, here's the thing, um, and this is not a funny story, but how much enjoyment can someone really get from flooding a chat with racist stuff? And here's the thing, did he really think that no one was ever going to say, you know what, this dude who's posting all these inappropriate links to inappropriate things and being racist, like no one's ever going to want to try to find, that's literally illegal what he was doing. And you know what the thing is about Twitch is that there's a record of it and it's being done in front of tens of thousands of people because everyone watching sees it. 
So to think that you can do something and get away with it means he should probably actually face more time in jail because he's just a menace to society and a menace to himself. Mac, that's our dummy of the week, my friend. I'll turn it back to you, man. And what a dummy indeed. Well, now we're on to the last official segment of the show that we lovingly call Legalese. Now, Legalese takes many different forms. Sometimes it takes the form of, uh, of like talking about an old case that has kind of led us to where we are. Like, for example, in the past we've discussed things such as, uh, such as Donkey Kong, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the various copyright, uh, issues there were between, uh, between Donkey Kong and, uh, and, and King Kong, and, uh, how, you know, who owned what, who owed what, whom money, and so on. But, uh, but this one, this one is a little bit more closer to home, and a little bit more recent. Um, the Supreme Court of the United States has decided that it will hear a case on internet sales tax. And while this might not be especially directly related to video games, we all do buy our games, and this will impact how we buy our games. That's right. So, as we know, one of the things that's great about shopping in this line is that we often don't have to pay sales tax. Now, there have been, uh, if you've done your, uh, if you've done your own taxes, um, you may note that there are uh, there are areas that you can fill in where you talk about things that you've purchased online or uh, times that you haven't paid sales tax for uh, for items. Most people just skip over them, but they're there. Um, so states of you know within the united states have uh, have said that uh, they have lost out on as much as potentially 13 billion dollars in the year 2017 alone because of the internet's functionally tax-free status um now the state of south dakota in uh, 2016 um and they weren't the only state but but uh, we're getting there. In 2016, South Dakota passed a bill um, that required any retailer with over $100,000 in sales um, per year, of course, to pay a 4.5% state tax on purchases. Um, After it became law, the state uh, turned to the courts to ask to make it constitutional. So, um, naturally, online retailers, Newegg, Overstock... Amazon, of course, that while Congress can pass a law potentially supporting online sales tax, um, that, hang on, sorry, 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 hang on, hang on, here we go, here we go, that, uh, um, that while courts can potentially, uh, um, sorry, while, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it, sorry. You're okay, man. This week's we Legalese is brought to you by NES Maker, the recently kickstarted awesome idea that allows you to make your own NES games from your computer. Back to you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Nice Guy. It was a delightful segue. You're um, so a- anyway, um, uh, what has happened is that in order for this to be a, uh, to be a law imposed nationwide, um, it needs to be upheld by the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court, of course, is the highest court of the United States, and it's the only it's the only uh, judicial body 
that can uh, that can make a ruling that impacts and reaches all of the states, reaches the United States as a whole, as the Supreme Court, only place it can happen. And so, uh, if the Supreme Court decides in their hearing that the um, uh, that the South Dakota law um, is able to do this, uh, um, is able to do this, then any of those companies that don't currently collect sales tax. Now, Amazon already does collect your sales tax. When you give them your billing address, they will uh, they will add that sales tax on there. But any that don't and meet that over $100,000 in sales per year will have to be collecting the 4.5% state tax on purchases by law. For Amazon, it's something that uh, uh, that they've cooperated with states while it hasn't been, strictly speaking, um, the law of the land. But this could make it the law of the land. And of course, there are other, there are other uh, places that have become a part of this, but it's sort of been an opt-in thing and not a legal requirement. But we could see that change. Um, First now, they get rid of net neutrality, now they want to charge us tax on our video games? Now, that being said, Mr. Nice Guy, that being said, um, I think most places have already opted, opted into this. There's just a few that are kind of holdouts. Um, but this, either way it goes, will probably not stop me from shopping online for a lot of things. It's so convenient. Yes, convenience being the biggest one, and with how quickly we can get things shipped through, say, Amazon Prime or several other ways, um, I don't think either way that it will change my desire to shop online, do it from my own house rather than, you know, rather than, especially now that it's winter and it's cold outside, not having to leave the house is Baby very, is very appealing. Outside. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. So, no worries. So, anyway, that's what we've got. Uh, it's not exactly an intricate case. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of stuff to comment on, other than it could mean it could mean big changes. Yeah, you know, and I feel like online retailers are doing different things to combat this. I mean, Am- do you have Amazon Prime, Mac? I do. It's it's fantastic. Now, Amazon now charges tax for their games mm-hmm. and for everything. They used to they used to not charge tax, but if you look at the value that you get from Amazon Prime, it's it's so much more than what you are paying for. Especially for people like myself and you, Mac, who are nerds. Um, let's just run down some. I will just run down some of the things that you get as a bonus to having an Amazon Prime membership. We're not sponsored by Amazon or anything. Um, Although we are open to such a we're open to it content. Amazon we love you check how much I spent on y'all last year on your website um, you get a Twitch subscription each month that's a five dollar value you get free two day shipping which depending on how much you're purchasing is a very huge value um, you also get and and you wouldn't know this unless you've bought a new release on there but they've been doing twenty percent off on new release game titles so when I bought PUBG for the Xbox One. Uh, I got it for, I think, $23, $24 plus tax, where it's normally $30. Monster Hunter, which is coming out this month, is going to be $47.99, rather than the typical retail price of $60. Bucks. So they're, they're matching the same thing that they do at Best Buy with the Gamers Club Unlocked. Um, you also get access to Amazon Video, right? You get all those cool, cool movies and, and uh, Amazon series. 
Uh, and I'm sure there's other stuff you get to with Amazon Prime, but I think Amazon's fantastic, and uh, even though you're paying sales tax now, I think it's well worth the $99 a year, so cool mac did you have anything else uh to run through or no no just that that was that was all that i had for today for legalese fantastic well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls this has been episode 56 of two nerds in a pod now before we go we like to do one last little mini segment we call what we've been watching and what we've been playing where we talk about just that the things we've been watching and the things we've been playing and we're always looking for more nerdy stuff to get into so let us know in the chat what you and your people have been watching and playing and mac you want to lead off for us this week absolutely so what have i been playing i've been playing a fun little game called strider um it's an nes game right um and uh, it was featured at the at this most recent uh, charity marathon at the games done at the awesome games done quick marathon, wherein they took about an hour of the time of the charity marathon to teach someone live on stream to speed run the game Strider. Um, now they did pick someone, uh, uh, you know, a streamer by the name of Jimmy Poopins is his name. Uh, and they taught him how to do it. Now he has ex- some expertise in uh, in speedrunning. So I mean, he has a lot of, of very a very fine motor condition. He's got a good feeling for how much a f- how long a frame is. You know, he's got some good intuitive understanding. But uh, they spent basically thirty minutes to teach him how to play this game, Strider. Um, and then they and then they let him loose and his first thing i mean world record was right around four minutes going into uh this uh this charity marathon he did it in about uh, seven eight minutes or so if i recall properly although he did get lost uh part way through so uh so he did find his way back but they didn't give him any help after the initial 30 minutes of training on how to do the tricks um and they did that as a sort of general hey look even though we're all speedrunners and stuff is, you know, kind of crazy sometimes and it looks crazy, ev- anybody can get into speedrunning. You just need to, uh, just need a little bit of instruction, watch a video, listen to a tutorial, and go for it. And you can even, you know, you can do things. Well, since then, um, the Strider game, you know, the leaderboards for Strider have gone from like, uh, like I mean, they've gone from something like, like uh, 15, 20 entries to over 120 overnight. And they're still, uh, you know, and it still keeps going. That being said, um, I even decided to give a few of those things a shot, and it's particularly satisfying. While I don't think I'm going to try much in the way of speedrunning personally, um, it's been an interesting uh, little journey for me. And just as one other plug... Um, something like three months ago, so three months before this thing, um, Retro Gaming Live TV, uh, which I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, f- you know, I-, I still hang out and, you know, I'm still a moderator and such over there, but I don't uh, actively run the the channel anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, uh, uh, several months ago, they did a, uh, did a one-night invitational for Strider, uh, where the sort of idea was that anybody could really get into it because it's a very easy speed game, and it's very short. I mean, you're looking at four or five minutes to play through it, so, you know, so easy, super easy to practice. Um, 
but uh, but it was really cool to see something that I felt like I had been a part of before it got famous while it was still underground. Hipster That's Mac. what I'm saying. Hipster Maction. Yep. Hip, hipster Mac. I just I just have to throw it out there that 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 you know I was a part of this uh, uh, this stuff before it got big. But that's what I've been. Uh, that's what I've been playing. As for what I've been watching, um, Mrs. The Mac and I have been enjoying The Good Place. Um, and apart from that, uh, been working our way through Madam Secretary. Nice. There you go. Well, cool. Now, as far as what I've been playing, we did finish Super Mario Odyssey. Me and my son. So, and and you know, there's a special moment that comes. I don't know if I shared this last week. I don't think we had finished it by then. That comes with finishing your first Mario game. And, uh, and that was my son's first Mario game. I think I did share this last week. Well, regardless, we finished that. We've still been playing it, collecting more moons and more stars in the Mushroom Kingdom. And then also, uh, been playing a lot of PUBG. Loving it, man. It is so addicting. I, I, I say this about a lot of games, but this one, I think it really has a lot of longevity. Um, I mostly play squads, so if anyone is on the Xbox One. In fact, Galvatron, aren't you on Xbox? Why have we not hooked up and played some games, man? Um, hit me up. My gamer tag is Jurassic425. I'll type it in the chat. Mac, what is that sharp thing that you're rubbing on your face, my friend? That looks very Letter dangerous. opener. We're all good. It's a mirror? Letter opener. Oh, got it, got it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's meant to be rubbed on your face. You're right. We're all good. Um, <laughs> you're making me nervous, bro. Uh, so anyway, PUBG playing some Fortnite. They had Halo 5 for free this weekend, and I had not really gotten into Halo 5. I know it's a couple years old. That game is amazing. Um, may have to pick that up for the Xbox One, since I mostly got the Xbox One for exclusives. Uh, let's see what else. That's mostly what I've been playing. We played a little Bubble Bobble and some Dr. Mario the other night, my wife and I, for date night. Great date night games. Uh, you ever played Bubble Bobble, Mac? I have. Never beaten it, but I know how to beat it. Yeah, the competitive two-player mode is pretty fun. Uh, it's a good date night activity. So we did that. Oh, and man, there's a board game we just started playing that I wanted to talk about on chat. And it's a really good game. I'll tell you afterwards, Mac. I can't remember the name right now. Uh, but as far as what I have been watching, now here's two movies, Mac. If you like like the heist, you know, the Ocean's Eleven, the, uh, the Italian job type movie, I think that you would like Now You See Me. Um, it's about these magicians called the Four Horsemen. And they're effectively conning people and, and doing these awesome tricks uh, and illusions and things. And it's it's a really good movie. It has your boy Morgan Freeman. Uh, and it, it has my boy Mark Ruffalo and boy, a fun twist at the end. And you've seen it already. Fantastic. I have. Yeah, what would you think about it? Um, I liked it for what it was. Yeah, now we've been re-watching these, so it was not my first time seeing it. But you know when you watch a movie and you haven't seen it in six to eight months, it's like watching it for the first time. Uh, yeah, it's got that it's got that uh, still mystical quality to it because like your your brain's got the cobwebs, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was like, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. We forgot the twists and stuff, so it was really good. Uh, we watched the first two of those. We rewatched the Hunger Games. Lots of rewatching. I did get back into some Netflix shows I've been neglecting. Watched a little bit of Parks and Rec. Uh, and I think that's it for me. Now, Mac, people have really been loading up the chat with stuff they've been watching and playing. Do you want to check that out for us today? Yeah. So for watching, we have Gerald's Game, It, and Blade Runner 2049. 
also seen Infinite Challenge, a Korean variety show with six hosts tasked with various activities such as attempting the college entrance exams, building a raft, or learning to become a pro wrestler. That's Very cool. different things. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, for playing, we have Doom, uh, Next Machina, Near Automata, Destiny 2, Call of Duty 2, or sorry, Call of Duty World War 2. Um, and uh, let's see, what else have we got I think on playing? Yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. But uh, but yeah, some good stuff there. I might have to give Infinite Challenge a look because that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, it sounds interesting. You know, they make some really good uh, game shows overseas. So anyway, guys and girls, kids and adults, thank you for tuning into episode number fifty six of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom. My partner in crime here is Mac. We'll be back next week here on twitch.tv backslash two dudes in a pod. 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. 8 p.m. Mountain. Same bat place. Same bat time. Same bat rhymes. Keep it nerdy.